I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at RAINNetwork.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. My name is Emma Kami, and I will be your host today. Among the many political parties running in the May 14th general election in Turkey, a number of key opposition parties have decided to work together to improve their collective chances of winning. For more on them, what they stand for, and what their chances are in this landmark election. Yeah, so there's, as you said in the intro, there's there's a lot of political parties in Turkey, um, and there are um, a, a great number of opposition parties who disagree with the current ruling party, the Justice and Development Party, um, which is helmed by President uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Um, and so there's a lot of parties, but there are a few main ones. There are a few prominent ones. And um, in the last few years, they've been a bit rejuvenated. There's one major alliance called the Nation Alliance. It's the largest opposition party coalition. It's also known as the Table of Six. Um, it's more of a centrist opposition alliance. So they appeal to um, you know, a somewhat broader slice of, of Turkish society uh, than some of the more leftist opposition coalitions and some of the more leftist opposition groups. Um, but yeah, so the main one to pay attention to is this nation alliance, um, which is uh, a group of six parties. One of the main things that this nation alliance is campaigning on is trying to revert the Turkish political system back to a parliamentary system of governance instead of a presidential system of governance. And a lot of that um, has to do with, um, again, this main thing that's bringing a lot of the opposition parties together, which is the idea that they want to oust the current president. They want to oust the current ruling party from its dominant role in the parliament. And they want to um, return Turkey back to that parliamentary system. They want to increase checks and balances and adherence to rule of law in Turkey. Uh, they really want to reduce the role of of personality, um, of of the president using executive authority. They want to really boost the power of some of the... Um, you know, professional core within Turkey's government. Um, so there's a lot of things they're running on, but a, a lot of it has to do with um, reducing the power of the president and turning Turkey back into that uh, parliamentary system of of governance. Um, it's not totally clear how they will get there, even if they do win the uh, presidency and if they do win the parliamentary um, elections and if opposition parties make some gains in parliament there. But that is a big thing that they're running on. Um, and it, it merits saying that, um, again, I mentioned there's a lot of opposition parties, but this one nation alliance is helmed by, um, the six parties and the main one is the Republican People's Party, uh, the CHP, which is the oldest political party in Turkey and, um, the, is the party from which their presidential candidate, Kemal Kulishteroglu, um, it's the party where he comes from. So he's really the main opposition player to watch as someone that actually could um, unseat Erdogan in this upcoming poll. Uh, and what exactly are their chances in the May 14th polls? 
So when we're using any polling leading up to an election, of course, we see through a glass darkly and it's impossible to predict how the actual election will play out. Um, but their chances are not bad. Um, and national polls right now put Kulish Daroglu really um, right up against Erdogan in terms of um, which one is going to come ahead in the presidential election. And the uh, opposition alliance is also, the parties within it are also polling pretty well uh, compared to the ruling Justice and Development Party and its alliance partners um, in polling for the political parties that are running for the parliamentary election. So we have this um, these really good chances for the opposition, which is um, causing a lot of, it's, it's stirring a lot of focus externally on this election because we could actually see um, a changing of the guard in terms of Turkey's uh, president changing, in terms of the ruling party no longer having dominance in the parliament. And that, of course, would mean policy changes. It would mean there would be um, some potentially uh, you know, significant changes, especially happening with domestic policy in Turkey with respect to the economy, um, with respect to social policy, etc. So I think that that's um, uh, their their chances in this election are improved significantly because these parties are choosing to group together in an alliance. These parties are choosing uh, to um, uh, back some of the same candidates, but of course, there still is a lot of divergence and diversity among a lot of these opposition parties in terms of what they actually want to see happen um, in terms of domestic policy. So um, as I mentioned, there's a lot of parties, there are multiple opposition alliances. Um, the, the biggest one and the one that you should pay the most attention to is a more centrist alliance, but there are these other groupings that um, espouse more leftist, more liberal policies. And um, I, so I think there still is a lot of those, there still are a lot of those disagreements that um, are going to uh, certainly complicate things uh, for the opposition as they're campaigning. And it also makes it more difficult for Turkish voters, I think, to know exactly what they're going to get if they vote for some of these opposition parties. Whereas there's, you know, potentially more of a sure bet um, or a degree of continuity if they vote for um, some of the, the, the ruling party and some of its uh, alliance partners that have been in power for um, the last many years. So I think we'll have to wait and see, of course, um, until May 14th when the election happens. But um, because those national polls are so close between the top candidates uh, for the presidential polls and between a lot of the, the parties in the parliamentary polls, um, it's it's really a tight and exciting election to watch. Could you talk us through um, why people outside of Turkey should pay attention to this upcoming election? Yes. So obviously this election matters primarily for Turks, for Turkey, but there are a number of reasons why what happens in this election um, will have an impact outside of Turkey. One, Turkey is one of the biggest and most important emerging economies in the world. Um, and it does have a lot of involvement uh, with the European economy, especially um, Europe is Turkey's primary export market. Um, there's a lot of interconnection between the Turkish economy 
and Europe, as well as the Turkish economy and Asian markets, African markets, Middle Eastern markets, um, as well as some uh, North American markets as well. So just as an emerging market economy, um, it is an important one to watch. And one of the main things that could happen um, if we do see Erdogan lose and if there's an opposition president instead, um, we would expect um, some more orthodox monetary policy making. That's been one of the main uh, sort of factors that has uh, negatively impacted the popularity of the ruling party and the popularity of Erdogan in recent years is a lot of the economic uncertainty, which has been aggravated by uh, some of the unorthodox monetary policy that Erdogan has supported and pushed for. So uh, that's another thing that um, is bringing together a lot of the opposition. Um, they might not agree on the tactical details, but they do agree that something different needs to happen with respect to Turkey's monetary policy and other sort of financial and economic policies. So there could be a shift to how the Turkish economy uh, works moving forward in a way that um, supports more foreign investment, more foreign involvement in the economy. So that's one reason uh, to watch it. Um, another key thing to think about um, from outside Turkey as we're watching this upcoming election is that regardless of who wins uh, the presidency, whether it's Erdogan again or whether it's the main opposition candidate, uh, Kulish Daroglu, a lot of foreign policy initiatives won't change, um, even if Erdogan is no longer president, if he loses this election. And I, I think that's connected to a really important facet of geopolitics that we talk about a ton internally, which is that a country's geopolitical imperatives and a, and a lot of its national security imperatives are partially determined by geography, by time, by space, by external factors pressing on a country, impacting decision-making. And those factors are not going to change no matter who wins an election. And, and that is part of why a lot of foreign policy initiatives that Turkey has um, won't change. Um, however, Erdogan himself is quite an outsized personality um, and is somebody who has a lot of influence over the Turkish government um, in a way that um, a number of other leaders might not um, were they in the same position. So he's one of those sort of rare figures in geopolitics where you do have to pay outsized attention to the personality and to their personal imperatives, their goals, their ability to conduct decision making. Um, so that is so largely Turkey's foreign policy is is unlikely to change dramatically, even if the, the opposition wins more influence in parliament and even if they win the presidency. But um, there will be uh, some subtle shifts. Um, I mentioned before that the opposition, uh, a lot of the opposition parties agree that they want the diplomatic corps to lead more of Turkey's foreign policy and diplomacy efforts, not the president. If there was a, a return to the parliamentary system, that would actually be something that is codified um, and, and made official. And so that kind of change uh, would be subtle, but it would change how Turkey interacts with the rest of the world. And it could mean um, less uh, sort of aggressive behavior vis-a-vis -vis Turkey's relationship with Europe. Um, uh, you know, there have been things like Turkey, um, you know, seeking to stall uh, Finland and Sweden's NATO bids. Um, 
Turkey being aggressive in the Eastern Mediterranean, things like that. Um, the, the core reasons why Turkey is doing those things are not going to go away, are not going to shift, but the Turkish government might handle them differently um, were Turkey helmed by a different president, especially um, an opposition leader um, who thinks that some of those actions that Erdogan has taken in recent years have been detrimental to the Turkish economy and to Turkey's standing in the world. So I think that that's another reason why um, it's it's important to watch this, um, especially because Turkey has been led by the AKP and by Erdogan um, to some extent for the last two decades. And so we're at a moment where there could be a shift in that. So it's a bit of a potential sea change um, if uh, we do see the opposition win anything in this upcoming election. Well, thank you, Emily. Definitely something to keep an eye on. You can learn how geopolitical events like this could affect your business with Rain Worldview. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. Sign up at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.